Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, your uh, WIAC championship edition <laughs> of Eye of the Swarm. I am John Garver, and as always, I'm joined by the Big Sound Matt Johnson, our production engineer, Elliot Sweary, and, you know, uh, championship week. It was the first time that we've interviewed a coach and a player on the heels of a conference title. We've talked we did, we just before. did it beforehand. Yeah, we've done it beforehand a couple times. Well, just recently with, yeah, with, with, with Coach Glenn. Drexler. Yeah, Coach Drexler yeah. and Tyler Finger. But yeah. now we're doing it post. So this is going to be an interesting one. This is. It's yeah. uh, it's exciting. It's fun. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I look forward to talking hockey anyway, but uh, being able to talk championships is, is fun. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for this. This is going to be a good show. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's always interesting to hear the perspective of those who lived it versus those of us on the outside who watched it. Yes. <laughs> you know, in your case, you called it, I yes. watched it, and they played in it. So and had to call it from afar, which is, uh, that, that's this, a new one on you know, me. It's a new one on me, and I, it, it was... Uh, you think there's some poetic justice of the fact that the story about you calling some of these games from your office appeared like the week before? No. You don't feel like that? <laughs> I don't feel like that at all. Okay. Maybe no. I'm, I'm seeing too much in this, maybe. I, I, don't, I don't feel like that at all. You no. know, um, Just put your head down and go through and get it done, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, I, I, I wish... I, I missed not being there. Oh, I know. Um, you know, I'm not going to say I, I deserve to be there because I, I don't necessarily feel that, but I, I missed being there in person. I, I feel like I feel like I had a good call that game, and it could have been even better if you're there in person. Yeah, and, and can feel that emotion because the only emotion I felt was mine. Right. You know, if you're there in person, you're you're picking up on coaching emotions player emotions. You get the sound, the atmosphere. You do. And, yeah. and, you know, in the vantage point you have in Stevens Point, you're literally above the visitor's bench. So I, I would be able to hear everything that's happening there. You can still hear everything that's happening on the home bench too. And and this one, you got none of that. Right. And what, you know, what the listener got was everything that was built up with me and right. with my emotion. And you know, and when I got off the air, I mean, I was not quiet. I was no. very loud in my office and, well, it, you know, gave a, a couple really loud shouts and, you know, turned the music up very loud right. and probably scared the heck out of the softball team when they returned from well, their road trip and started so walking down the hall. For you, and you and I talked about this. I was the only one in the building, and all of a sudden, right. there's a team upstairs, and I right. wasn't expecting it. It's, it's a very bizarre circumstance. Um I remember I called a basketball game. It wasn't even a championship game. It was a non-conference game. We were on the road. We were at Milwaukee. We were playing Alverno. And I actually called a game from a different hallway. Like, I was actually, like, I wasn't even technically in the basketball arena. I was literally watching through a window calling a game. And it was just me and one of the athletic secretaries was walking around behind me. And that was bizarre. I yeah. can't imagine calling a conference championship game. From 300 miles away. Well, yeah, because you and I have both called conference championship games, multiple ones, both of us. I've never had the, I don't know if it's displeasure or the uh, the rare unfortunate situation of having to call a conference championship game, championship game from a different venue. You had that. It was only you up there. It was, what, 9, 9.30 at night when it finally ended, something like that? Uh, I think I got off the air after the postgame show. It was probably about... 9 somewhere in that okay. in that window. And Softball had been on the road. Yeah, they were coming back. They were coming back. Yeah. And you know, even as I got I got off the air and the first thing I do is turn my my overhead lights off because I people who know me know I almost never have the overhead lights on in my office, but 
instead I use a desk lamp, but I have them on when I'm when I'm broadcasting the game. And the first thing I, I stand up, I turn that off. Um, I, I made reference in my blog post last night to the song "Long Time Running" by the Tragically Hip, because the chorus of that song includes it's a long time coming and it's well worth the wait. And that's the first thing that kind of popped into my mind as I was getting off the air was right. this has been a long time coming. Oh yeah, it has. And big time. You know, and the feeling I was feeling, and we'll find out from Coach McKenna and, and Lawson McDonald a little bit later on, I'm willing to bet they felt the this is a long time coming and it's well worth the wait. So I, I listened to that song and right. and kind of collected myself a little bit because I knew I had to write a recap. And, and all of that. So I, I sat there and just kind of listened to that and collected everything internally and, and, and felt good. Then that got done. I put on ACDC. I turned it up to 15, you know, and blasted it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll all and right. started screaming my head off for a few seconds because I was just so excited about it. And then the softball team showed up and comes walking down the hallway <laughs> and are probably wondering what in the world is happening Right, here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's again just add to the bizarre nature. I mean, we talk about yep. the bizarre nature of everything going on right now. Um, it's just another chapter in the book, mm-hmm. you know. It's it is what it is. Even the you know the the guy's path to get to the game was bizarre. Yeah, but you know, yeah, we'll talk about day, that here. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about that last week a little bit, but, right? Um, I mean, you can't when you have a bizarre circumstance like this and occur. And then you have the opportunity, though, for that one opportunity, you know, chance to really shine on the big, quote unquote, big stage. I was just so thrilled that the guys were able to get it done. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest thing for me. Yep. Um, because conference tournaments, you know, for those of, of us who are, are college sports people and people who follow college sports religiously know, conferences and conference tournaments and conference tournament titles are not usually where it ends. Usually after right. that, there's something else coming up, and it's usually the NCAA tournament. Well, that's why they're so significant, right. because yeah. typically you win that. And then you move on. And then you move on. And This was it, though. The WIAC is a little bit of a different beast on the hockey side because they don't have that automatic qualifier. So there's right. no guarantee that if you win the conference tournament, you are going to move on. Right. And uh, I, I think even this week I had people asking, so are the guys going to get a bid? Are they going to get in? Uh, no, because no, there's, there's no tournament. Yeah, exactly. Would they have? I think so, because I, I think you you have a hard time keeping a team that has a 700 winning percentage out right, yeah. of a conference or out of an NCAA tournament. And I, you know, I uh, Coach Nelson always used to say, we got to get the 20 wins. You get to 20 wins, and it's going to be really difficult for them to keep us out. And if this is a regular season, yeah, I know there's different things that would have happened, but if you extrapolate the 7-3 record out, right. there's a good chance this is a 20-win team this yeah. year. Yeah. And I, I think they get in right. with 20 wins and a conference title. I think they do. So it, it would have led to bigger and better things. But unfortunately, it begins and ends with the conference play this year. But there's something kind of poetic about that also because you have two teams now that are going to play knowing this is it. Yep. I mean, it's it's basically an NCAA tournament championship game feel, mm-hmm. but you're playing for a conference tournament title. Right, that's what it is. This yeah. is a, this is the last game, regardless. Right. for both teams. Yeah, and so I think that made it almost sweeter in a way mm-hmm. because there wasn't any thought process of well, even if we lose, we're going to get a bid. Right, or you know, there's always going to be another game because we just have to watch the selection show and I'll figure out where we're going to be. Right. No, this was it. This was 60 minutes of hockey to figure out who's going to you know take home some hardware, and that was it. And I, I think I would take that over what. EW Eau Claire got last year, right? Where 
they get through the playoff and get into the NCAA tournament and then are told your right. season is over. Because they got some hardware, but they thought there was something bigger. Yeah, they were, they were yeah. playing for something bigger. And they were in a position last year where I think they were they one of the top two to three teams in the nation and were going to make some noise in that tournament. And they didn't get that opportunity and they didn't have that that known factor that this is it. Right, yeah. These two teams did. Yep, these two teams both knew this was it regardless. Mm-hmm. And um, – yeah, you, you, it's it's that ultimate kind of finality to it yes. all. You know, either we're going to win or we're going to lose, but this is it. Yep. And we're going to go out there and we're going to do our best. And I thought that the guys played it that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. They did. You without know, they, a doubt. They you, definitely You could tell they, yeah. they they weren't leaving anything to chance. Yeah, exactly. They weren't leaving anything in the gas tank. They It was all on the ice. They knew full well yep. that this was it and we're going to leave it there. Yep, exactly. And if it's good enough, then great. If it's not, then that's we, fine. Then we but... left it all there. Yep, exactly. And so they there was going to be no regret either way. Nope. And uh, Just the way the game fortunately, though, there's yeah. no regret and there's hardware involved now. Yeah, and fortunately, you know, like I said, the way it unfolded, it, mm-hmm. it was enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, I remember thinking, too, Especially going in that third period, and we'll talk more about the game, uh, specifically the the goals and all that kind of stuff in a minute. Um, I was just really thrilled that even in that third period when it started and they were down by a goal. Again, we'll get more on the specifics in a moment. Um, well, let's just do it now. Jump into okay, it. Okay, yeah, well, I'll jump in and then I'll explain. Quick, kicking the can down the road. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously, what we're referring to is the three to two win that Coach Rich McKenna, Austin McDonald, our uh, our interview guest uh, this week. Um, and their three to two win over the UW Stevens Point Pointers in the uh, Wyack Tournament Championship game on uh, last Friday. Actually, it's hard to believe it's already been a almost a full week. Yeah, yeah. but three to two was the final score in the aforementioned Wyack Tournament Championship game at KB Will Arena in Stevens Point. Yellow Jackets, as we get into the more you know specifics here, UWS actually trailed two nothing in that game. Um, Carter Roos scored the second goal for UW Stevens Point at seven nineteen in the second period, and I'm not going to be afraid to see him leave. Yeah, he he was a heck of a player. He's one of the the three guys in that senior class at Stevens Point. Zach Zek and Colin Raver are the other ones. Not at all <laughs> disappointed that they are graduating. Yeah, because they were very good players for a very yes. long time. Yes, uh, those guys made and a they, lot of plays. They terrorized us. Yeah, and they well they terrorized everybody. I mean they. Uh, as it turns out, they're now three time defending national champions. Uh, well, <laughs> or three year defending national right. champions um, because of those guys. And that made it, I think, even more sweeter, mm-hmm. is that those three guys were are uh, still to this day defending national champions right. in Division Three men's hockey. But yep. the Yellow Jackets trailed 2-0 um, at 7-19 to second when Carver scored that goal. And then the Yellow Jackets scored the last three goals to pick up the victory. The Yellow Jackets scored one more before the end of that second period. Uh, Colton Bates got the Yellow Jackets on the board, and I really felt that was a huge goal. Uh, it was. Yeah, it was it a absolutely huge, was. Goal. They had to have an answer in there at some point. Yeah, I don't you can't think give you, up the third. You have to get one. And I don't know? think you want to go into the third down two. No, no. You have to get, yeah. You, I mean, you've got to cut Even if they don't half. score, you, you, want to get, you want to cut that lead in half you at least. you got to cut it in half. Yep. And they did get that goal, 11-41 from Colton Bates, as I mentioned, in the second period. C.J. Walker and Jordan Martin, the assist, and it was 2-1 after two. And I thought, okay, because that was what my thought was as a fan was, let's just get one back. If we're down by one, because I, I was happy with how we were playing too, and you and I talked about this. We were playing a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can get one back, then that makes the third period really interesting. Right. If we're down by two after playing real well for two periods, then it's going to be a little bit more dicey. Mm-hmm. Like that was my thought. And I don't know if you felt the same way, but yep. that was how I felt. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then 
Uh, 9-12 into the third period, Chad Lopez scores the tying goal off an assist from Levi Cudmore. Uh, it was a little bit of a greasy goal, I thought, but the Yellow Jackets were playing really well at that point. By that point, the momentum had completely switched. Uh, 2-2 after Lopez's goal, and then Cudmore scores the winner himself at 13-24 of the third period on the power play from Lopez and Artur Turchiev to uh, provide the winning margin for the Yellow Jackets. And uh, really impressive close of the game for the Yellow Jackets as well because Stephen Point pulled their net minor with, what, about a minute 30 it left? about 90 seconds to go, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, – but the Yellow Jackets never allowed them to cross their own blue line, much less no. in the Yellow Jackets zone, really. No, the, the third period – and I'll, I'll mention this to Coach McKenna when he's in here too, but that third period was – masterful yeah it was it was it was such it was it was a microcosm of the entire game because i i felt like and i i was i said this on the air i said this in things that i had written the yellow jackets controlled that game yeah from the opening face-off they controlled the game Outshot them. They, they outplayed out, them. They outshot them. They outskated them. They outplayed them. I felt like they were hands down the better team in that game. I agree. They outplayed them. And the third period was – you talk about your offense was there and your defense was shut down. Yeah. They Five minutes left in the game in that third period, Stevens Point finally got their first shot on net of the period. Right. When, yeah. when Levi Cudmore scored, shots in that period were 11-0. Yeah. And – it, it shut them down completely. And then, like you said, Matt, they got the goaltender out, and the Yellow Jackets were smart. Because yeah. an empty net's tempting. Yeah, you know, it it's it's tempting. You see that thing down Big there. Big target. It looks and, huge. And you, it does. Yeah. And it's amazing how many times you miss it. And they were smart about, let's not take the chance and try to bury it here and turn the puck over. Let's just play it into the corner. Let's eat it along the boards. Let's control the play there and keep them down here. Yeah, and, and and they did, and the, the puck would come out of the zone. We were right on it, in. and it was right back in. And in the last ten seconds, Stevens Point was able to get it out of their zone, but one they they turned it over, and we put we played it right back in. Right, but even if they if we didn't do that. They weren't going to have the energy no. to go the length of the ice because they looked gasped. They them. were tired. Yeah, they were tired, and they weren't going to be able to make a, a rush no. and definitely create anything out of it at that no. point. No, no. I mean, you could see the frustration was building for them after the third goal was scored too, um, as time wore down. And and I, you know, I'll mention this also to Coach and Lawson McDonald when we talk to them next segment. Um, the body language was completely different between the two teams. I mean. Uh, UWS's bench, not just the players on the ice, but the mm-hmm. bench was very lively. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had a great view of Will Blake and Alec McKenzie jumping up and down with each clear after the third goal right. and being really excited. You know, that last you know five six minutes of regulation. Meanwhile, on the on the uh, uh, Stevens Point bench, they looked a little wilted over there. They mm-hmm. looked a little bit tired. They looked a little bit like you know, first of all, they were befuddled. Number two, they were frustrated, and number three, they did look like they were tired. And even just those little subtle differences like that, how the benches were reacting, you could kind of tell it was a Yellow Jackets game. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, uh, it was it was really nice to, to to see the guys come through, play arguably their best overall game in maybe a couple of years. I mean, I, I thought they were just really good across the board. Yeah, they were. They yeah. were fantastic. And um, you know, to, to see them be able to hoist some, uh, you know, a a trophy and then hang a banner, I thought was just you know icing on the cake for yep. a year for a really bizarre year for everybody. Right. You know, so congratulations Agreed. to them. Yep. As for the particulars, UWS did end up holding a 32-24 edge in shots for the game. Miles Hector 
got the victory for the Yellow Jackets, 22 saves in that. And he did a good job coming in to spell Oscar at the end of the year, I thought. Yeah, he did really well. You yeah. know, I mean, four games, four wins. Yep. And got better in every single game. Yeah. So congratulations to the coach, Rich McKenna, and the Yellow Jackets. They finished up the season, by the way, 7-3 and three in the abbreviated 2021 campaign. But I don't think anybody's going to complain. Nope. The, now with the Commissioner's Cup in hand. Nope. So <laughs> there you go. By the way, it's the first Yellow Jackets uh, tournament title, conference tournament title, since 2011. So it's been a full decade. So just to put a little bit more of an exclamation point on it, um, not much more you can say. Just congratulations to everybody associated with the program. Agreed. So. Women's hockey, by the way, finished up their season as well. Four and six is where they ended up. They finished the 2021 campaign by following UW Eau Claire eight to two in Game Two of their WAC tournament semifinal series at Hobbs Ice Arena in Eau Claire last Friday. I felt like it just kind of went downhill on them. You know, they got rolling uh, against you know yeah, snowball gets rolling and, downhill, man. It's yeah. it's hard to stop sometimes. Well, and you heard Coach Dan Laughlin on our podcast last week talk about how deep Eau Claire was, and I felt like they just kind of wore them out. Yeah, and I and I think you know they're they're a good team. They they smell blood in the water. Yep, and they were they weren't going to leave anything to chance after a few tight games. Yep. over the course of the yep. year. So, Yellow Jackets season concludes with an eight two loss. Jenna Bufflin and Hannah Magnuson scored the Yellow Jackets goals in that contest. UWS outshot thirty to fourteen. Mackenzie Whalen started and played the first fi- thirteen minutes and fifty three seconds for UWS. She made five saves before being relieved by freshman Rose Beeman, who played the final forty six and change while making 17 stops. Again, the Yellow Jackets finished 4-6 on the season. Men's and women's tennis was in action last week. The men improved to 3-1 overall. The women filled to 2-2. Both teams playing Minnesota Morris in the match I am referencing at uh, Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse in Superior with the men sweeping the Cougars 9-0 and the women falling 5-4. Tight match there for the women. Mm-hmm. Uh, the men picked up singles wins from Michael James, Gergo Potts, Nagy. Andre Louise, Jacob Zacharias, Carter Lamont, and Lorenzo Silva, while also picking up doubles wins from the duos of Janes and Potsnagy at number one doubles. Louise and Zacharias at number two doubles, and Gavin Mangan and Lamont at number three doubles. The women, meanwhile, got singles wins from Maya Calloway and Chiono Owa, along with doubles wins from the duos of Calloway and Owa at number one doubles, Emily Wald and Olivia Roberts at number two doubles. Um, so that was – they have a busy week, by the way, coming up, and we'll they talk do. more about that in the uh, final segment. But uh, – um, so the men now at three and one overall. The women two and two. Women's volleyball remained undefeated. They are five and zero oh now in the season. Three and zero, oh. and the UMAC they defeated Crown three sets to nothing. With yours truly on the call, that was on Saturday at Mercer Mortarelli Gymnasium here in Superior. 25-15, The three set uh, scores in that one. Yellow Jackets hit two forty five for the match, while Crown hit just oh sixty five. Lexi Preed, 16 kills, 18 digs. She's a player. She is a player, big time. Uh, transfer from Division II Wingate. She's actually originally from Maple Grove in the Twin Cities, where she's their all-time leader in kills, and that's a big program down there. So that's a big feather in her cap. Mm-hmm. But anyway, 16 kills, 18 digs for Lexi Preed. She's the reigning uh, UMAC Player of the Week. I don't know if she was – was she named to Player of the Week again? She wasn't. Was she, she was, yes. She's got two now. Oh, well, okay. Yep. So two in a row Repeat for her. Repeat performance this week. Okay, well, she certainly has earned it. Uh, freshman Savannah Renderman, meanwhile, in her first significant duty for the Yellow Jackets, had ten kills. Good so, nice match. Yeah, she had she had a nice match. She she got him off on the right foot in that first set. She mm-hmm. had a couple of kills right away and seemed to kind of propel her. Megan Holes thirty four assists, while Haley Atwood had fourteen digs. That was their only match they played last week, but they've got a couple coming up this week. Softball five and three overall. They won three out of four games last week, splitting two games with Concordia Moorhead on Friday. That was <laughs> them coming back from that trip. That they ran into you after the Yellow Jacket men's hockey team had won the conference title. They split two games with Concordia Moorhead on that day, uh, but they did sweep Crown yesterday. So they won three out of four. Against Concordia, the Yellow Jackets took the first game 5-1 before losing the second game 5-1. So six runs apiece 
for the two games between the two teams. Game one, Taylor Kramer, she's on a roll right now mm-hmm. in the circle. She's big throwing time. really well. Yeah, she's blowing, throwing really well. Pitch complete game along just two hits and one unearned run while walking two and striking out two. Offensively, Olivia Bancroft, Hart, and Kayla Kramer each had two hits for the L Jackets. In game two, Melania Medill pitched five innings, allowing two earned runs and three hits while walking one and striking out three. Offensively, the Jackets were led by Jess Jacobson, who had two hits. But the Yellow Jackets lost that game 5-1. to one. Against Crown, the Jackets didn't have too many problems. They defeated the Storm 5-2 to two in Game 1, in Game 2, 11-2. And that was in run rule fashion in Game number 2. In Game 1, Taylor Kramer, again, starring in the circle for the Yellow Jackets. Pitched her third straight complete game along two hits, two earned runs while walking four and striking out a season-high 11. I think all three of them have been two hitters, too, yeah, if they, I remember right. Yeah, I think she, yeah, she's... That two hits seems to be the first of, one. She took the no hitter into the sixth and finished with the two hitters. So yeah, that was against Augsburg. Yeah, so yeah, like all three so, of those are two hitters. Yeah, she also had a nice day at the plate in that first game. She had two hits, while Dabriana Horvath also had two hits for the Yellow Jackets. In game two, Melania Medill pitched a complete game, seven hitter while allowing one earned run and five walks while striking out one. So the pitching has been pretty good recently. Very good for the Yellow Jackets. Offensively, the Jackets finished with twelve hits as a team, with Olivia Bancroft Hart again helping lead the way for the Yellow Jackets. Brighton Kukowski also they both went three for three with a double. In the contest, baseball finally picked up a couple of wins. I feel like they were kind of right on the cusp there. They were, they've been playing good ball. Yeah, you know, if yeah. you look at the boxes, they're pitching well, they're fielding well. Yep, they're they're not making errors. No, you know, they're, they're playing just, good clean baseball. They've had a really hard time manufacturing runs. Yep, the Yellow Jackets uh, baseball team split four games last week, falling to Concordia Moorhead three to two and five to four. So a pair of one-run losses for the Yellow Jackets on Thursday before they swept Minnesota Morris 2-1 to and 4-3 to on Tuesday. So four straight one-run games for Coach Frank Pufal and the boys. All four of those games are played at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, and all four of them involved 3 a.m. road trips <laughs> on a bus for the Yellow Jackets. No Again, thanks. we talk about that, <laughs> I feel like, but... No, thank you. Yeah, 3 a.m. on the bus to uh, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium by 5.30 and then playing baseball by 7 a.m. both those no. days. So it's, I'll take a pass. Yeah, it doesn't sound like very much fun to me. No. But yeah. Game one versus the Cobbers, Ryan Rodriguez got the start and pitched well. Pitched six innings along four hits, one earned run while walk, walking two and striking out five. Offensively, UWS was led by Nick Fredrickson, who had two hits. And also a stolen base in that first loss against the Cobbers in Game 2 versus Concordia Moorhead. Brendan Kruger got the start, pitched the first six and one-third innings while allowing five earned runs on six hits with two walks and three strikeouts. Nick Shea and Isaac Fougere each had two hits for in a double for UWS while Fredrickson added two hits for the L Jackets as well. In Game 1 against the Cougars, L.A. Danhoff started for the L Jackets and pitched the first four innings, allowing just one hit while striking out four or walking four, excuse me, and striking out nine. So big uh, effort from him on the hill. Caleb Bean, Matt Tappy, and Ryan Rodriguez each pitched an inning in relief with Rodriguez picking up the save. Offensively, Brandon Rolfe led the way for the Yellow Jackets with a double and a one for four showing. And then in game two against Morris, David Dibble pitched four innings, allowing five hits and two earned runs while, or excuse me, yeah, one earned run while striking out two and walking a batter. Christian Garcia pitched the next two innings before Jack Barnett picked up the save by pitching one inning. Brandon Rolfe went two for three with a run scored, while Sam McNosky went two for two for the Yellow Jackets. So two and four now their record after all that on the season. They've got a busy week coming up themselves, actually six games on the docket. We'll talk more about that in the final segment. Men's basketball got some postseason accolades from the UMAC. Mason Ackley and Eli Vogel were both named second team All-UMAC. Javon Walker was named to the UMAC All-Defensive team, while Carter Brown was named UWS's representative on the UMAC sportsmanship team. And that was the week that was.
for Yellow Jacket Athletics. A lot of winning. There was a lot of winning going on, which is good. Hopefully that continues up because um, that's going to start picking up. More teams are going to get involved in the next couple of weeks, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll have more success to report. But, yeah, it was a pretty good week for Yellow Jacket Athletics across the board. Very good week, and we have a couple of the winners with us here for the next segment of the Eye of the Swarm, our round table. Round table, round table. What? That's not even a word, John. Words, words. <laughs> the words. round table segment. We will have the head coach of the men's hockey team, Rich McKenna, senior defenseman Lawson McDonald, joining us to talk a little bit about the conference championship experience and uh, a few other things along the way as well. And we will have that coming up after this break when Eye of the Swarm continues. Can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking <laughs> Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back on Eye of the Swarm, and it's time for our regular round table. I guess it's a round table now because we have a student athlete with us as well as a coach this time. We're but back we, to it. We took a week off Yeah, last we week. took a week off from the round table, but we're glad to uh, be able to have conference champions in the room with us. Uh, I was lucky when I played in the program. I was a conference champion, so it's good to have the conference champion label back here at EW Superior. Coach McKenna, senior defense and Lawson McDonald. How does it feel? We'll start, yes, we'll start with the player. Yeah, start with the player. How yeah. does it feel? It, it's awesome. For me, too, like being a senior, just like extremely fortunate um, just to have that experience to win a title in college hockey. Coach? It was just awesome to see the growth of our, uh, of our team over the course of the year, but more importantly, the senior class. Uh, you know, and then to be able to have like those like individual moments with players on the ice, Lawson and I, and, you know, just talking the other day and, uh, you know, seeing Hammer and Pav and everything they've went through. And uh, so it was just cool to see uh, everything come full circle for them. I, I was really excited for that senior group because I, I remember the recruiting process with those guys. You know, they'd make a stop by the office usually with you. And it, it was the conversation of you're going to be the group that kind of gets to help turn the tide here a little bit you know we're gonna it's a it's a slow turn when you're turning a ship around out in the sea it takes a while and that was sort of the conversation that they were going to be the group that was kind of charged with doing that and to be able to see them go from taking some lumps yeah in their first couple of years to finishing out as conference champions I I was absolutely thrilled for that group of players the ones that Stayed made it to the end made it to the end the class was a lot bigger <laughs> And if, uh, you know, and Lawson even transferred in. So uh, that class was way bigger than what was in that picture. So uh, it was pretty cool to see those guys, how they never, you know, wavered and they just believed and they just, you know, they left it all out here and they left the program a better place. As a transfer coming in, I mean, you're, you come in seeing his first three years, eight wins, nine wins, ten wins. Apprehension? Looking at that, going well, you know, maybe that's not the right spot. Maybe it's not the right fit because I want to go. I want to go in and I want to win, and it it hadn't happened yet. Well, I've had all his friends here, so I kind of <laughs> <laughs> no, like I'd have a Winkler. <laughs> 
yeah, like coming coming here and just hearing the positive stuff from the program, like from my buddies that played here, um, that was a big reason why I wanted to come here because I wanted to win. And just with what they're saying and the potential that this team had, I knew that we were going to have a shot every year. Like my junior year, you know, anything could have happened there and then senior year as well. And obviously it paid off. So really glad that I did decide to come here because got to experience something that everyone wants to. You know, you could experience it for another year too, but we'll, uh, we'll save the recruiting push for later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's, let's rewind a little bit to when you first came here. And I, I've made note of this more than once, how you, you said it in your pitch when you were being interviewed that the conference championship is a really big deal. And that is going to be central focus with you in building the program and maintaining the program. Why is the WIAC championship so important to your philosophy and what you're building? Well, I just felt that was the, that was it. You have to have that. You have to attain that before you can move on and maybe go to the old and get to the ultimate goal of a national title. Uh, you know, I think the WIAC in general, uh, when I was in the interview process and from playing division three out East and, just being around the game for a long time and then different levels and moving kids on from the junior level to Division One into Division Three, that uh, the WIAC was always the premier conference. Uh, I've just felt that was that that was the best conference to play in. It was a man's conference. It was it was tough. There's no easy games, uh, and I felt if you get to that WIAC championship, it's and win it, that helps propel you and push you to, you know, now another standard is set, the meter is moved, now let's go and now let's go and try and do something else that's a little bit bigger. But it's a it's a natural progression I felt also. And um, you know, it's this year was was a tough year. I mean, even when I first got here, uh, you know, we went to you know, we not I think we knocked out Stout my first year made it to the conference semis, uh, made it to the conference semis my second year, then lost in the first round. My third year, I might have it backwards, backwards. then then semis again last year. And like, and it was basically in the beginning of the year this year was like, guys, like an eight win team makes it to the semifinals. Like that's really, that's not attaining anything, you know, and going into the summer, it was either WIAC or, you know, WIAC championship or bust. And, you know, the guys, that was the first challenge I laid out in front of this group, and they met it, and they hit it head on, and I was very proud of them for it. What is hearing that like? Because uh, I imagine as players, you, you're going, what is this guy talking about? What's he talking, talking about? about here? I mean, we're <laughs> the semifinals. Eau Claire is a nationally ranked team. They were going to the NCAA tournament, et cetera, et cetera. But I also imagine there is part of you going, coach is right. Yeah, like – for, for our conference, you know, it is something to make it to the semis. But for us, um, we know that we haven't really, we're not really satisfied until we can get past point. We can get past Eau Claire because we're going to slot in that position every single year. And, you know, we, we only really truly know that um, we've made steps forward is when we get past those teams. And just thinking back to the summer and all those workouts we did and everything we went through with COVID, um, it just makes beating one of those teams in the finals that much more special so yeah I'm super just super happy that we got to do that and 
we got to just prove to everybody that we are a top team in the WIAC. And I, I think it it drives home too. We've talked about this many times. I, I've always been of the thinking that you look at the WIAC. I, I've said front to back, top to bottom, it is the best Division Three conference. I know folks in the SUNYAC might disagree with me. Come UCHC us, might disagree with me. Come play us. But it, I think it's the the toughest conference, and it it shows. I'll, I'm going to leave Northland out because they're they're new and they're in a rebuilding mode there for sure. But one through five, the margin is pretty thin there. Yeah, if you don't show up, it's if you don't show up, you lose, and it's uh, and you could play a great game and still lose because there's really good goalies in this conference. Then all of a sudden, and there's you know there's a ton of Division One transfers, and you know I mean last year we had three on our team alone. You know I, we have an NHL draft pick in our conference, like. It's it is a really good conference at the end of the and it's uh, and it's cutthroat and you have to you know you have to show up you have to prepare if you if you cheat the game in any single way in the WIAC I feel you get exposed. As a D one guy, I mean, did you feel the same way too coming in that you know this this is a good league? I mean, you came from arguably the best D one league in the country. And I imagine you came in and said, you know, it's really not that big a drop off. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's like like you guys said with the with the whole you gotta the top five is either way you can play a good game and still lose, and that just reminds me exactly of how it was there playing against those teams in you know in the NCHC was any game anyone could win, any game anyone could lose, and that's just how tight it is. And you know the the teams that win are the teams that just have that upper end consistency and they just don't uh they don't let off the gas to the the teams that they think they should beat let's let's go back to the game last friday um because I, I think that's a, a decent segue i i would think steven's point probably looked at it and said this is a team we should beat you know we we beat them in this building a month ago it's on our home ice this is a team we should beat and you fall behind two nothing you're a team that traditionally has had some difficulty coming from behind over the last couple of years. Statistical anomaly, yeah, probably, probably. But what was the mindset when they popped that second goal? Uh, for us, you know, we we were in the spot we wanted to be, and it didn't matter at that point what the score was going into the third period because for me, this is my last was was my last period, you know, and we had nothing left to lose. It, we were the underdogs. We were down, and I think in some way that may have helped us because they may have thought that they had that game won. So when we came back in the third with everything we had, they weren't ready for that. And as soon as we got that momentum, it was like, it was over for them. That was a great third period. That was one of the best periods I've seen out of a Rich McKenna coach team. Absolutely. I said it after, I said it after the game, we play like that, the way we played in the third, we could beat anybody in the country. And uh, I think Batesy's goal was huge going into the third down just by one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was a big time goal, and it was a greasy goal. And it's what we talked about, uh, you know. And we even said it on the bench too, to the guys like, guys, we came back from two nothing before here, down here a month ago or whatever. And uh, I don't think the guys really even heard that message though, because they didn't. Nothing changed. It was just you know I thought we were playing a really good game. It, literally they. Two two breaks and they scored on it. Like I didn't think for any point in time throughout that sixty minutes, we were truly hemmed in and like didn't have a 
good grasp on on our game plan or or structure or anything like that. And then, uh, yeah, and then going into the third, it was like, what better way for this team to get over it is, is than to come back from behind, and let's go for it. And that was it. And then it was quiet. I think I usually come in around the the eleven minute mark in between periods. I think I went in around the thirteen minute mark, fourteen minute mark, and I quick little two minutes, and that was it. Just you, it's it's on you guys now. And I thought again that senior class. Uh, had great leadership qualities to them and uh and I but I felt the entire day there was a belief that we were winning that game so it was just a little bit there wasn't any fire and brimstone there wasn't any uh you know one from the heart or anything like that it was just you know let's take it in let's have fun and and let's see where it goes and I thought you know uh it was a pretty it was pretty neat because that was probably one of the first games where I sat back and was able to watch. And I was able to see the guys just doing it the right way. And, you know, there was there was times where I was like, all right, like, is the clock going to tick out on us here? Are we going to be able to get this done? But I never felt for a second we were chasing that game. I, I agree. And something, too, like what, how you just said, uh, you you never had a doubt during that day that we're going to lose. I Because like, I took a bunch of video that day for – um, with my camera and then like I, I watched it watched it all back and every guy that I stuck the camera to his face and um, everyone was just like you could just tell that everyone knew they were, we we're gonna win there was a like swagger. it was crazy like yeah. watching back every time I said something to somebody and they like they said something to the camera it was like they just felt good about it and you could tell like yeah. wow that was cool like everyone everyone had that feeling in them that we were gonna win tonight I'm, I'm glad you did because locally Folks didn't, and it, it, it bothered me a little bit when I, I had somebody ask me, how bad is it going to be um, yeah. for who, mm-hmm. you know? And then just that, that feeling, wow, you really think they're going to win this? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think this team is afraid of playing anybody in the WIAC. So, I, you know, it, it's awesome that that, that swagger was there because it hasn't always been. No, no, and – you know, man for man, I felt our roster matched up against any team in the conference. And I think a part of it, too, this year was the the ups and downs of the season. Uh, we had a hard time hitting our stride even after you take away the first weekend. But even in the that first weekend, you're, our traditional scorers were not scoring. And in all honesty, they didn't really pick it up until the last three weeks. Last, I would say two weeks is when we finally kind of found our mojo in that regard. And we've never, and we, you know, we lost two games and not being able to kind of respond. So we sat on losses for an extended periods of time. I think all that stuff kind of, uh, factored into the end result too. And, you know, I think they, we, we knew that we needed to put our money where our mouth was. And I felt the guys, like, again, man for man, I told them this. I think I told you a couple of times, like, I'll play anybody anywhere with you guys. Like, I believe in this group. Like, I believe in you guys. Like, I'll take this roster over any other roster we can have. Like, let's just go and do it. And, you know, some of that was to just to kind of 
keep instilling belief in them leading up to getting into playoffs and everything. But but it was a hundred percent heartfelt that I was like, I'll I'll I never once for a second thought we couldn't win it. This is the point in the show where I say, Matt. <laughs> Kind of been carrying well, things gonna, here for I'm the last 15 minutes. Off over here. So um, <laughs> jump in here, it's man. It's the quietest you've been <laughs> since I've known you. Yeah. <laughs> Good point, right? <laughs> Look at the coach getting the zinger in. Good job, coach. Um, honestly, uh, as the non-hockey guy amongst the four of us here talking, um, watching that game, it was the first time I really got a chance to watch you guys from start to finish, which was cool for me because a lot of times I'm with other sports or doing something else or with UMD or broadcasting something else. Um one of the things that struck me was, and this is one of the things I look for, because I'm, I'm big into momentum in sports. I, I, I watch for changes in momentum or body language or stuff like that. You guys had a very confident body language about you that entire game. Um, there was no drop-off even after that second goal. Because after the second goal, I thought, well, okay. I thought, well, let's see how they respond was my first thought. And my second thought was, if we can get one back before the end of the period. I'll feel good going into the third. And that was just from me watching. And then, what was it, four or five minutes later, Colton Bates scores, and now it's two to one after two. And just the way the game was going, I, I felt pretty comfortable going in, and that was just me watching it. You know, I was like, okay, they're right back where they need to be. Because I, I thought if Point got that third goal, it might have changed things, had gotten a third goal. But yeah, when you absolutely. guys scored that third goal, the first one for you guys to make it 2-1, I thought, okay, now this is going to go right down to the wire for sure. And the other thing that I was really impressed with, I was watching the benches in between a little bit. I mean, because they're camera angle, you can see the ice, and you can see the benches a little bit. You talked about you know not feeling like you were hemmed in. I felt like they were hemmed in, and they were realizing it because the, guy, the energy on you guys' bench was way, way more positive than theirs was, just even from the view you could see. I mean, you had guys – I mean – Alec McKenzie was jumping up and down, and so was Will Blake a couple times on your bench as you guys were clearing the puck after you took the lead. And I looked over at Point's bench when they, you know, when the when the camera went that direction, and there was a lot of just like, they looked like they were just gassed, you know, like you guys had really just kind of choked the life out of them at a certain point. And I think when, even when they pulled their, their their goaltender for that extra skater with like a minute thirty left, they never really had a shot. You guys had them hemmed into their end of the end of the ice for basically that last 45 seconds, which I thought was really impressive. And it just kind of showed me, like, I, I felt good about that because it, it just kind of showed that my instincts, I think, were pretty much correct there, that you guys had kind of choked the life out of them. Well, I, and I think there a lot of things contributed to that. Like, even going back to Batesy, like, and what what Lawson was saying, like, in this, with the swagger and how, looking back on that video, he could see it. Like, you know, Bates was one of the first guys at the rink, as he always is, and and I was like, hey, what's going on? How you feeling? He goes, just ready to go. Like, and it was just business with him. And But he was smiling. Like, you could almost tell, like, he was just happy. He knew he was going to be happy at the end of the night. And, uh, you know, and then he, you know, and he he scored a big goal for us. You know, that was, that was a big goal for, from him. And, uh, you know, as it... As it pertains to, like, you know, Stephen's point and all that, like, obviously, you know... Getting there the way we did was not necessarily the way we wanted to do it. We wanted to kind of go. Th- we wanted to go through the gauntlet. Like the guys were disappointed when I told them, but you know when people don't uh, when people don't know the full story and everything that was going on, uh, 
and that will remain with me and certain people, but there was no way we weren't making it to that championship game. So I felt, you know, and, you know, Stevens Point's a good team. They're a good program. They, they've, I mean, they're still defending national champions because the last two NCAAs have been canceled. So they're going to go on their third year of defending the national title. Uh, I never thought of that. Yeah, <laughs> you took down the defending national champions. Yeah, yeah. so uh, which is also interesting. It adds yes. another layer to this conversation. I mean, and, doesn't it really? I mean, yeah. yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, like to me, you know, people could say like, "Oh, well, they played on Wednesday," but these guys are just so such good conditioned players. Like they, like their everyone's legs were fine. There was no, we skated on Wednesday too. And we went through video and we did all that. And I mean, we probably actually skated more than them over the course of two days because we practiced instead of playing a game. So, you know, you think on, a, on Wednesday, their best player played 25 minutes. Well, you know, we practiced for an hour We pra- on Wednesday. And then so every guy skated for an hour and so on and so forth. And, you know, and that was a day we were able to get some work in. Like we took a page out of Nelly's book. Like we were bumping bodies on – we were bumping bodies on Wednesday. Like we weren't going to let the day go by and just say, okay, like we're good. Wednesdays so, were long days, man. Well, and like, you know, we're in cha- – <laughs> we're, you know, we're going to the championship, right? And, you know, I know certain guys were like, like, what are we – like – it's a little bit more physical than I thought, but it was it was to simulate that game time atmosphere. And like I brought the guys in, and then you know let them go home and get some food and all that other stuff. And then and, you know then we went after it and, and practice. So, uh, but again, like I think like on Friday, like we we executed the game plan. We played very systematic into as a result of without the puck. With the puck, we were still, you know, we just did our thing. Our players did what they had to do to, uh, you know, to be successful individually and collectively. And um, But I felt our overall game plan uh, throughout, our overall game plan throughout the game was executed at a higher level. We knew that if we took away offensive momentum from them, and kept them to the perimeter, and uh, and not allowed them to gain pos- gain our zone with possession. They had to make changes, and they did not want to make changes. And it allowed us to then we defended. We were able to defend quicker, and then we were able to transition even faster because they were trying to push the pace, and we were able to then catch them and and keep them on their heels. And that's when, uh, you know after every five minute segments after every period that going into that third like they they were still trying to fit the square peg through the round hole and our guys were totally like okay let's drop this in the fifth put the hammer down take this one home and they did i thought that's interesting because in the first period i commented on the broadcast that it seemed like you made a very concerted effort to not give them the red line the number of icings against them in the first period, I think they had five or six, and it seemed like you were not you were not willing to give them ice, where they thrive when you yeah. give them ice, and it took them a long time to realize that we yeah. need, we need to we need to adjust something because this isn't working. 
But it, it was all the way into the third period, five minutes left. They still didn't have a shot on net yet. It was because you just weren't giving them not even ice, anything. Yeah, it was point. a big thing. Like we talked about, like, you know, it was end, don't defend. Like, don't even let them. If you take away their transition game, you, you if we take certain things away from them, they don't want to play offense. They want to score. Oh, they don't want to play defense. They want to score. So, like, our decor did a fantastic job of making them have to chip pucks and then go retrieve. And then our forwards, we had a good F3, and, you know, we could get all into it or whatever. But uh, I'll let Lawson kind of take it from here. But I thought we did a really good job of our play away from the puck and and with and without the puck and being above it and making them have to make – taking away the long game from them and all that, I think it really kind of – threw them off a little bit. Before you start, though, I just, as a defenseman, and I, I commented multiple times on the air, too, if you get a team that's chipping in and you have to chase it down and go 200 feet, that's exhausting. Oh, yeah. And, and that, that, that wears you down. And I assume from a player standpoint, you, you understood that you were wearing that team down, which is that simple play all night long. Yeah, that's definitely what it felt like because – I remember the first time, like when we played point earlier on in the year, I think we really learned from our mistakes um, from losing to them. And especially like as a defensive on the on the back end, you know, we gave them a lot of chances that first game when we lost to them. And then I think going in for the finals here, like my mindset was just like, there's no way we can get like, like I know that that first game we gave them a lot of chances. So now it's like we're doing everything we can. We're correcting those mistakes. And we're going to make it a lot harder for them to get offense because we failed to do that the first time. That's probably what helped us a lot. And uh, yeah, like that game, um, it almost felt like I never, like I never got tired. Almost it was just we were always going, and we were we we're hardly defending them. They didn't have many shifts where they were ripping around the zone, and I felt like I was like gassed because I had to like hit and pin and defend them like constantly. Um, and that's probably what we were doing to them. And you could tell in the third that. They're worn out from that. Yeah, I, I was I was really impressed with with that with the way all that came together. And even when they did have that offensive zone time, they didn't have great chances. No, I I when I watched the game, I was talking to somebody, and it was like a video game. After every every time we shot, because they had a ton of block shots too, because they were trying to hang on. So like every time the puck hit them, every time we hit them, it was like in like Tyson knockout, like. He just got a little. He faded. The player faded a little bit more and faded a little bit more, and then eventually, you know, we got the knockout. Like every, every time we made contact, you could see you just took a little bit more out of them, and uh, yeah, and then you know, and we're a fast team, and we were then able to, we created room for ourselves, and we, you know, we, you know, we were chipping the puck in for the first, for pretty much the first half of the game, and we were just getting our hits and, and, and getting in and getting inside and just continue to chip away at it. And, you know, they were just dumping pucks in. And once they started to dump pucks in and changing, that's when I was like, all right, like, we got them now. They, they don't want to play like this at all. They're dumping and changing. They're not even forechecking anymore. I was like, Let, now, now is the time, guys, to get the transition going a little bit quicker if we ramp that up a little bit more. They're not going to – we got them, and we did. Well, you truly made them play a 200-foot game. I mean, that was the – you know, teams like them that have that high-end skill and those forwards, they want to enter on on the break. 
Like they want to get the the D man cycling it going forward, and they want to carry in. If you stand them up at the line and make them chip in, that's not what they want to do yep. ever. And if you make them do it continuously, it starts to get into their head that all right, they're not letting us enter the zone. Now we have to you know physically bull our way in. We got to chip it in. Everybody's got to bust their tail to get in, pin a guy, and then we got to get possession of the puck and move it. That's not how that team likes to play, and you could tell you know by the end of the game that they were you know there was a lot of. Their bilanguage was much more negative than you guys were. And after that third goal, I thought, now I, we got them now. Like that's because you, you could see the wilting starting. You know, even though it was a 2 2 game, they did not look like they were super energized or excited to even be on the ice at that time. They looked like they were just plain frustrated. Yeah. Because they would chip it, like you said, you'd chip it in, then they go off on a change. Then we come barreling back the other direction. And that happened time after time. And like I, you know, John said, and like you guys have said, they like to enter the zone in full possession. Like they want to, they want to come in and set up. And when you guys didn't allow them to do that, it was almost like they didn't have any answer for it. They just were kind of befuddled. And that says a lot to me about you guys' defensive game plan and how you executed both at the red line and at your own blue line because they just couldn't get in. And I, I mean, I would be wrong to not. Uh, Say like you know Brian Meisner and and Belzy, those guys had a great impact on the team this year. Mouse is which is Coach Meisner. Uh, Mousey is uh, he's he's a defensive minded coach. Like he, we would defend the whole time, and that would be fine with him. <laughs> he loves defense. He's all about it. He did a great job with our decor this year, uh, and but he really really changed the way our D play in the short amount of time that we had uh, over the course of this season. And uh, he was like, our gap control was better than it's ever been in, in my entire time here. And he's, and he's a big reason for that. And, you know, Bel and Belzy was just a great guy to have like on the bench. Like he was, uh, he was funny. He had a couple of He's got a good quip for just about everything, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, guys are just, you know, guys are just doing something or whatever, and he'll blurt something out and make everybody laugh. And, like, I'll be in all the serious mode and Mr. Grumpy Pants, and I'll be smirking under my mask, but no one was able to see it because <laughs> I just thought it was funny. <laughs> like, I don't, if you don't have a sense of humor, then, you know. Well, I was excited just to have him back in the program because he was with the program as assistant coach under Stobbs, and then – took some time away, got IST going, and then now he came back to coach. And when I saw that he was going to be on your staff this year, I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, that's good to see Belzy back. I like how he, he just deadpans everything. You know, like, say you turn a puck over at the blue line and, you know, you don't get scored on, but you still made the turnover. You come back to the bench and you'd be like, yeah, I know I turned it over. And he'll just look at you and go, why'd you do that? Yeah, like he, <laughs> I, he yelled at somebody, you know, like get in shape or something like that. And it was the guy's like, no, it was a three minute chef. Like he got like, <laughs> get in shape. And, you know, uh, who was it? One of the guys. Probably gave a sales pitch to his own gym. Too. Yeah, one of yeah. the guys. Come on, ISD, ISD we'll get you can in fix shape. that for yeah. you. Yeah, one of the guys made a great interception of a pass or something like that. And he's going down. He's, I think it's a two on one or he's like, it's like a one, one on no or whatever. And he, Bumbles the puck into the corner, and he's like, "Hey, nice hands!" And <laughs> like he just, you know, he was just, just uh, he's Belzy, just a great guy. <laughs> yeah, he knows how to cheer people up. Yeah, he just, you know, like, hey, relax. Like he was a guy that was really good for morale. I would say he was the morale guy. Mouse was the defensive guy. 
And, uh, and then there's you. And then, then there's there you, yeah. <laughs> and then, then there was me. I imagine this was this has to be this had to be satisfying for you on on multiple levels. But I know going back to when you first got here, and you may know where I'm going with this, but when the uh, the preseason stuff came out, there things weren't very kind. No, with the way they were written in local publications, and I know you still have that taped to your desk, and you looked at it every single day. Viewing that and then seeing how all this panned out, this has to be really satisfying for you and, and validation of, okay, this, this is going the way I expected it to go. Yeah. And, you know, when I, through the interview process, you know, we had the, one of the questions we had to, when we did our, when I had to do my presentation to the committee and everything was your, what's your one through five plan and what's your six through 10 plan? And uh, winning the WIAC was the last thing we had to accomplish and basically then at that point it was you know I felt like I kept my word you know we we, we've had great academic success here uh you know in in my time here and that's dating back even further than when before I got here but you know we had great academically we we've been great academically uh we wanted to put eight to ten all WIAC members uh and we've we've we got that uh we wanted to finish first in, in the WIAC. Well, we finished first. I wanted to go into the tournament first, but you know, I'll I'll take it. You know, and and yeah, you'll take it. <laughs> and we wanted to, you know, and we wanted to w- win the WIAC. Like we wanted to win the WIAC, and we wanted to be ranked. And last year we got ranked. We broke the top ten last year, which in our conversations before I was like, I just every year I just hope we just stayed an honorable mention and <laughs> also receiving <laughs> votes. Yeah, yeah, just keep receiving votes and leave it at that. But then, but the last thing I wanted to do in years one through five was win the WIAC. And couldn't have done it without a better group. Couldn't have done it without guys like Lawson coming in here and transferring and, and you know, guys keeping their beliefs when, you know, it would have been easy to say, nah, this just ain't, it's not going the right way. And, uh, you know, so it was, that was very satisfying in that regard. And, and it's kind of funny, I didn't realize it until we came back and I sat down on my desk and that's when I actually saw the one, because th- I have the same thing, the, the Yellow Jackets newspaper thing and my one through five plan taped to my desk. And I was like, I was like, check. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> it uh, made me really happy to see you smile when you turned around after the guys went on the ice and the gloves and the helmets went flying and the sticks. I, I was looking for it and I was like, I want to see Rich's face now that yeah. he's won this because I know, you know, I, John has been there, of course, up close through all this. I've been there enough to know, and you and I have, have shared enough time talking with each other to know, for me to know, how much you've put into this and how invested you are. And, and so for me, it was just so exciting for me to see that because you and I have talked about the team. You know, there were games during soccer where you were game managing, where, you know, you and I were talking about what your plans were for the year. And, you know, those are some of my favorite conversations I've ever had with you. And mm-hmm. uh, I was just so happy to see the smile on your face when the guys well, were on the ice and you were out there. So I appreciate that, Matt. And, and it's easy to come to work every day when you have guys like Lawson. And, you know, Lawson has done more for this program than people will even ever get on this podcast because because of conversations him and I have had. And, 
you know, and it's it's easy to come to work every day when you can call Garves on your way in and vent for the 25 minutes from Cloquet to, to <laughs> Superior. Uh, <laughs> home in all hours of the night and, you know, you... A few of those too. <laughs> you, call, you talk to the Oviates and, you know, you, talk, you just talk to these people, Paul Buckley, and you get all... And you just... It's easy to go to work and 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 try and be as best you can be in that day or as that whatever event you need to be in uh, because I know the guys do truly care. It's the the culture has has really changed since I've been here, uh, and that's been you know the championship, all that stuff. Like obviously, love it. The way the guys handle themselves, the way the guys believe and have pushed the program and in the right place, and especially this year, answering you know all the challenges that we set forth in front of them, like that means more to me than let's say wins and losses because you don't those wins and losses are just a byproduct of doing it right every day, right. Yep. and like those guys work just as hard, if not harder, than me day in and day out and with the dead with the with how well they were disciplined off the ice this year and making sure we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot and all that stuff we couldn't have done it without like Lawson's leadership and Hammer's leadership and we we wouldn't have been able to do it so this checks off number five of the five-year plan what does that mean now for the six through ten plan where what's the what's the next step here because i i think i wrote last night that this yeah, is a good article by the way thank you this is great and everything but in some ways the hard work is just starting now because staying here and getting a little further is harder than the initial getting here so what what does this mean now what's what's the six to ten well i think you know now uh you know, the going into this year, you know, we kind of, or, or throughout the course of the year, because we never knew when we were starting. Or yeah. <laughs> so. Well, it's bizarre. I mean, this it is, was bizarre, right? Yeah. So, like, over the course of this year, we kind of developed our slogan of, of, you know, not satisfied. Like, that was our slogan. And uh, I think going into next year, year six through 10, uh, you know, I was I was fishing the other day and, uh, I think the next, I'm a big guy on like slogans or whatever, cause they keep your focus on one thing or whatever. I think we want more is our next, is, that's the next step, right? So now we got it, right? Well, let's do it again next year. Like let's keep, not, now let's finish in first place in the regular season. Let's host this thing. I think that that's for, that's, that's a goal. Obviously, we want to continue to, you know, let, let's be a top five team in the country. Let's be a consistent top 10 team in the country. Uh, let's, you know, let, let's get to the national tournament. Let's, you know, I think those are things now that we want to move towards. Uh, we don't want to put the cart before the horse. Like, again, like the first thing I'll say to the guys next year is, do you, have we arrived yet? Like, do you, are we where we really want to be? Like, because I don't think this is, I think this is just the first step of a lot more that can be attained. And, uh, you know, and it takes guys like Lawson 
to to come here and I, I mean we ain't gonna attain anything unless we get recruiting and start getting some commitments here and and, and doing all that stuff I would say uh you know we let's keep the academics going let's get an all-american you know stuff like that because uh, I think those are all things that if you don't have those things you're not going to make it to the dance you're not going to win the big game you're not going to whatever right so you I want to make sure we keep our academics high and be the best team on campus in terms of in terms of academically um, you know be able to you know I would think you know maybe doing a little bit more fundraising or a little bit more community service type stuff you know give back you know like uh those are probably things years six through ten i think are very important to us because there's a process to attain what we ultimately all want to attain you got to do things the right way all the way through i'm all for the let's host this thing because that means i get to be there in person that's true <laughs> now, you were the one person that that was missing my well friend. i like as you know in watching you coach and lost watching you play the other guy i thought of after that buzzer sounded was the guy sitting to my left um, yeah because i know how frustrated it's been, how frustrating it's been for him because i've been frustrated too with how this year's gone even from a broadcasting standpoint we've had our struggles and uh you know i was picturing him sitting up in the office calling this game and i thought you know maybe i'll give him a call maybe i won't we'll see but um i was just as happy for you john as i was for these guys at a certain level because you played in the program. You lived it. You've been to you know Frozen Fours. You've won conference titles. Then the lull came, and now the upswing is back. So I know you've been a part of it for so long too that it you know it just I felt really really happy all across the board, and it wasn't even like something one of my teams that had done it. You know I mean because I've been there with women's basketball obviously, but um, it was just really gratifying for me just watching it because I know how much all three of you have put in. Um, and your various experiences. So, well, I'm. I mean, like even like Lawson and the rest of the guys. Like, what they were able to do this year with uh, and Lawson. Like you could, you could speak about it with with gaining, uh, almost like promoting our team and promoting our university and all that stuff. Like I didn't realize like how many people actually knew about UWS and UWS hockey, and it all started with a. With a team building thing, what was that last year? Or two years. Yeah, no, that last was year. last year. Last, last year, year in October. And next thing you know, there's like 27 million likes and all that stuff. <laughs> and you know, like it was just like the biggest thing I could say to like Lawson and the senior classes. They, without a doubt, have left the program in a better place than when they came, and that. To me, you go down as a champion no matter what if you do that because you're always pushing it in the right way. And, like, this, you know, last year's group, like, we finally had a winning season. This year's group has something to to hang their hat on. And on the banner. Hang on a banner is always a good thing. You know, and exactly. And, you know, and then everything else that Lawson has done for our program and uh, and the seniors have done for our program, it's been it's been pretty special. And, uh I just wish I could have be there with them, you know, for graduation and give them a hug at the end of the thing and all that stuff. But uh, I think, you know, even going back to last year's seniors, but this year's seniors in particular, like we've also created lifelong bonds and and very good alums. 
And I think all those guys, Oscar, Lawson, Pav, Hammer, Yorkie's coming back, so I won't include him right now. Uh, am I forgetting anyone? Mackenzie. Mac. Mac, yeah. he's a genius. He's going to BU. He's going to BU. Grad school. Like, those guys are going to be super successful in life, and they're going to be great husbands, fathers, uh, and great people. And I think their time here at UWS, they'll always look back. And, you know, if you have a happy alum, that means you you did it right for four years with them. So, Or in your case, too. Yeah. yeah. Or if you want to come back, two. three. <laughs> There's always that. There's always that. No, yeah. Um, it just feels good to know that, uh, you know, that the impact you're leaving on this place um, is positive because the the stuff that we, you know, we show people and the the videos made and the, the way we can kind of like bring bring some attention to UWS, it really truly is going to be a good place for whoever comes here and, uh, you know, whoever's coming in. They're going to have fun here. They're they're really coming into a positive and like a place that's on the uprise. So it's uh, I just like how what we've done here has really uh, attracted that. And uh, yeah, those kids that come in next year and a few years down the road, they're not going to regret it. That's for sure. I know as an alum and somebody who's here every day, but I, I appreciate what what's transpired over the last few years as well. Head coach Rich McKenna, senior defenseman, Lost McDonald. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. We'll take a break and come back with more of Eye of the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back for the final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm and a good conversation with the head coach and one of his senior defensemen there, Matt. Yeah, really good. Uh, you know, it's not often like you we talked about in the first segment where we get a chance to uh, talk with players and coaches post a conference championship. Most of the time, and we've been doing this now for two years, we've been talking to athletes and coaches who are going for conference titles beforehand. So it's all, you know, TBD. Right. See how things go. This has now been deed, as in <laughs> determined. And uh, it was nice to see, though, on the back end to see what the reaction was going to be. Um, because you and I, you know, we've talked about this before. You and I have both broadcast and been the, the you know the play-by-play voices on radio for conference champions before, and teams have gone to the NCAA tournament. Of course, there's no NCAA this year, so it's a little bit different. But um, it's very cool when you get a chance to actually sit down and have a full-out conversation with them, right? Um, about their how they felt about it, what it was like. Um, well, especially after the fact, because right, we, yeah, you know, this is almost a week later, so the dust has settled settled a little bit. If we would have done this. Saturday, Monday, I think the conversation would have been much different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's had a little bit of time now to sink in. Yep. So it's a little bit more measured, mm-hmm. um, you know. Um, I will say this. It was one of the more serious conversations I've had with Rich. Because uh, <laughs> those of you who know Rich know he, he likes to laugh and have a good time and, and, and be a little bit flippant he, at he times. He can be but, lighthearted. And, yeah, lighthearted yeah. and uh, – um, you know, Lawson, we don't get a chance to, to talk with very much at all. He's pretty quiet normally, but yeah. uh, it was cool to get them both in here and get a chance to uh, get their impressions about what happened on Friday night. Yep. And but with that, 
the uh, the winter sports teams now officially are all in the books for 2021. We move on to fall and spring sports that are going to be playing here now the rest of the way and all the spring sports in action with the exception of outdoor track and field. They're coming a few weeks from now, but uh, you know, the fall sports will be cranking up with soccer joining the fray here this week. So it's going to get a little less busy this week and then it really cranks up next week. Yeah. This week uh, we've got uh, um, men's and women's tennis. We'll start out with them. Um, The women have uh, a very busy couple of days here at the end of the week. Uh, The men, not so much, but We'll go through all this because it can be a little bit confusing, so listen closely. Uh, this week, the women will be hosting a couple of matches. Uh, they'll host UW-Stevens Point on Saturday at 12 p.m. Both teams will then host UW-Lacrosse on Sunday starting at 12 p.m., while the women will host an additional match against UMD on Wednesday. Now, the, we're bringing in that UMD match just because we're not sure when we'll be recording the next uh, podcast, but um, they are playing UMD on Wednesday. Um, all those games, like... Are, are of course home games for the Yellow Jackets, but there are different sites. Yep. So uh, we'll go through that quickly here. The women's match against UW Stevens Point on Saturday will be at the outdoor, or is planned to be at the outdoor tennis courts outside the MWC. Correct. So I think it's officially called the uh, UW Superior uh, Outdoor Tennis. It Complex. doesn't matter what's yeah, officially what it's called. called, but the courts that are outside. You pretty much between, described it when you said it's the courts outside. Yeah, the courts outside the the MWC is where the women are supposed to host UW Stevens Point on um, Saturday. Excuse me. That's of course weather permitting. Um, I think it's supposed to be pretty warm it's too. Be pretty darn nice this weekend. Yeah. So, so chances are they'll be playing outside. Yep, they'll be playing outside. But those two matches on Sunday against UW Lacrosse, where the men will join the fray along with the women against the Eagles, that will be played inside at the Lady Thuring Fieldhouse. That might change because I, I okay. think the uh, the women might stay inside, the men might play outside. Okay, so there's a change that that could be a change there. Okay, and then that match against UMD again is scheduled to be outdoors again. That, yep. So. Women on Saturday, outdoors, men and women tentatively right now uh, in the th- field house on Sunday against lacrosse, although the men could end up playing outside theoretically. And then the women will be back outside again to take on UMD on Wednesday. Correct. So if you've got all that straight, then you're doing pretty well. Because doing well. That's, that's where we're at right now with them. Women's volleyball has a busy couple of uh, – or a busy week as well. Um, tonight they're taking on St. Scholastica across the bridge, 7 p.m. as we record this on a Thursday. They're taking on the Saints. This is their one and only bridge battle for 2021 as far as the regular season goes anyway. Um, meanwhile, they're supposed to play another match on Thursday, a week from today, taking on Northwestern at 5 p.m. So that's a 5 p.m. start on Thursday. Usually they play at 7, but this one's going to be at 5. That'll be at the Mertz. Um, and after that, of course, the schedule opens up a little bit more again. But we're only throwing in that match on the 25th because, again, we don't know when we're going to record. Right. But uh, that's what's coming up for the Yellow Jackets as far as on the volleyball scene. Uh, as far as softball goes this week, they are going to be taking on Hamlin on Saturday again at the Dundas Dome. By the way, those four games that we talked about in the first segment were all played in Dundas, Minnesota. And the Yellow Jackets will make one more trip down to Dundas, which is about uh, four hours away. About three and a half, four hour drive or so from the Twin Ports. I'll be taking on Hamlin in a doubleheader. 6.30 and 8.30 p.m. this time. So instead of playing, I think it was what, 2.30, 2 and 4, I think the other two, 6.30 and 8.30 will be the opening pitches against the Pipers. Again, that'll be a doubleheader. Um, and they'll be playing those games on Saturday. Baseball, meanwhile, they're busy. Very yep. busy week for baseball. Yep. Saturday and Sunday, they'll be taking on Northland. 
and a pair of doubleheaders at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex and Superior Spart times start times, excuse me, are 1.30 and 4 p.m. both days. I will be on bringing you play-by-play on 91.3 FM. So if you have some time this weekend, check it out. It's a lot of baseball, man. Yep, baseball against the Lumberjacks, four games in two days. All those games at NBC Spartan Sports Complex and all of them with yours truly on 91.3 FM. So if you get a chance, uh, check it out. And then they're also supposed to play on Wednesday, a week from yesterday, taking on North Central and a doubleheader at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex for another doubleheader. 1.30 and 4 p.m. starts there as well. And... Um, I think am I supposed to be on the air for those? I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm not looking that far yeah, right I know. now I'm because to take it with, with the way everything is so fluid with scheduling, I I haven't been looking that I far down we, the road. Yeah, I don't know. I've been looking at that because women's soccer, men's soccer also play this week, so it's going to be a little bit more. Um, you know, our schedules are a little bit more up in the air. Right. Um, anyway, men's soccer, as we mentioned, they will open their season taking on St. Cloud State. And St. Cloud on Sunday at 2 p.m. before they come home to finally open up the home portion of 2021, taking on St. Scholastica. And again, their one and only bridge battle scheduled in the regular season for 2021. That'll be a 7 p.m. Uh, opening kick from the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. I don't think I'm on the air for that one. I think that's I think I'm with baseball that day. Now that I go back and look at the schedule. I could be wrong about that, but yeah. We'll, We'll, we'll worry co- about we'll, it later. We'll, we'll cough over that. One thing I do know for sure, women's soccer is opening up their season. They'll host Northland College at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex on Tuesday, 7 p.m. I will be that on. That one will be one. on. We know yeah. that for sure. Yes. I'll be on with the pregame starting at 6.45 as Coach Allison DeGroat and the Yellow Jacket women get on the docket for the first time officially in 2021. They'll be taking on the Lumberjills again, 7 p.m., the opening kick, and I'll be on with the pregame starting at 6.45. Busy week. Yeah. Busy that's week. what's coming up this week. So uh, it's yeah, it's a little bit of a busy week. Not awful since indoor or outdoor track and field hasn't started yet. And then men's golf and women's golf also will be playing at some point here, hopefully in early April. That's going to be early April, I think. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I was looking a little bit ahead on that one, but I just wanted to make sure. The, so. the weather holds, which it seems like it's going to. Then hopefully yeah, we'll... yeah. Of course, all of this. <clears throat> I mean, uh, all of this is weather pending. Yeah, weather pending or other factors yep. such as COVID nineteen. COVID so, pending. Yeah, yep. exactly. So. That's the intended schedule for the week, uh, so check it out. There'll be plenty to follow. UWSYellowJackets.com uh, if you need more information on any of those events. But uh, yeah, We do our be. best to keep it up to the minute, <laughs> as up to the minute as we possibly can. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Keep, yeah, keep so. tuned to the website. Uh, don't be afraid to look at social media, too, as we're pretty quick to get the changes out there yeah. as well. Twitter and Facebook if you can't make it to UWSYellowJackets.com for whatever reason. So. He is the big sound, Matt Johnson. Our engineer, once again, Elliot Sweary. I am John Garber, and we thank you once again for joining us on Eye of the Sport.